Hello, everyone, and thank you for downloading the Hyper Literature Presents podcast. As you may know from past podcasts, the Hyper Literature Presents podcast is a collaboration or maybe a branch of hyperliterature.com. That's hyperliterature.com. That's my personal blog. Uh, so please, if you get a chance, give it a visit. I like those page counts. Uh, so this Hyper Literature Presents podcast, we present Tim Braun. Tim is the editor of New and Social Media for the Fusebox Festival. Uh, I am a blogger for the Fusebox Festival, and this past week I've been attending Fusebox Festival events, and it's been a wild ride, just as it was last year. Uh, so in this podcast, we talk a lot about, obviously, blogging the Fusebox Festival, but also just about uh, the Internet in general. So this was a fun episode to record. I think both Tim and I were extraordinarily tired from going to all the Fusebox Festival events, as well as in our day job, we're both instructors at UTSA as well as other institutions, and it's now grading time. And so we're both drained physically, emotionally, and uh, is there anything else physically and emotionally? I don't think so. I think that's all. That's all we're drained from. Uh, but it was a draining. Uh, so uh, we're both a little tired and punchy. Uh, but it's a great episode. So uh, please give it a listen. Uh, some of the things that we mentioned in this podcast that uh, either I forgot or need a little bit more explanation. At one point, we discussed a blog post that uh, caused a little bit of controversy on the Fusebox blog. Uh, that was a blog post written by Catherine Catmull entitled, Nothing to Declare, Crossing Borders. So again, the blog post that we discussed that neither one of us could remember the name to uh, is Nothing to Declare, Crossing Borders, and the controversy is over Israelis and Palestinians. So if you want to take a look at that, that's at fuseboxfestival.com, front slash blog, Nothing to Declare but Crossing Borders. Uh, also, uh, when I discussed Lord Winsydale's Last High Tea, which is an event that was part of the Digestible Feats series, um, I forgot to mention that the person who uh, created all of the food for that event uh, was Jody Elliott of Foreign and Domestic. So my bad, Jody. I apologize for uh, forgetting your name in, uh, in, in, the, in the moment there. Uh, so enjoy the podcast. And uh, if you'd like, you might want to download the previous podcast, the one with Hank Cathy. He is the Culinary Arts Coordinator for Fusebox Festival. So without further, further ado, here is Hyperliterature Presents, Tim Braun. Enjoy. Do I need to like put my phone away or anything, or will that affect the uh, the hoodie? It doesn't affect the hoodie or okay. the hottie or the howdy or whatever the hell or they the are. Or the blowfish. Yeah. Um, so I'm just checking to see if who's sending me blogs and whatnots and all this kind of stuff. I sent you one. I know you did. Um, you sent me one yesterday, and it's on my list of things to do was, was, at about noon today. Has it got pictures in it? I, uh, thank you. Always, thank you. I always do the pictures. And I, and I cut the pictures. <laughs> and I cut the pictures for you. Hey, I uh, even insert hyperlinks. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's these little things you don't care about anymore. All right. <laughs> All right. So this is how this is going to okay. run. Um, I've got things running. We're, mm -hmm. uh, we're recording. So... Uh, so why don't you tell us who you are, Tim? I know who you are, but uh, people listening may not. So tell me who you are. Uh, I'm Tim Braun, and I'm here today because uh, I am the uh, editor in chief of New and Social Media for the Fusebox Festival in Austin, Texas. 
is is that what you wanted? That's what I wanted. That's absolutely Excellent. what I wanted. Excellent. So um, uh, we, you, you're the. Editor of the social media, but you're also one of the bloggers too. So you you perform in several capacities, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, um, but, um, I was brought on uh, to Fusebox, I believe it was four or five years ago now, uh, as we started to do not only uh, arts blogging but also um, <clears throat> uh, more food blogging in particular. And I think it was the first year of Digestible Feats when I was still blogging for Anthony Bourdain's show with the Travel Channel. And I think Ron wanted me, Ron Barry, the artistic director, wanted me to focus more on things like um, uh, uh, homegrown events and um, and also events with um, uh, Graham Reynolds making songs that worked with my drinks and desserts and stuff like that. Uh, and then at the end of, I believe it was the 2010 festival, I think, or 2011 festival, we realized that our Facebook presence was very poor. And that mm. is, we had a Facebook page, but we weren't really doing anything with yeah, it. Yeah, I just sat there. We had a Twitter feed and just kind of sat there. Uh, and a lot of my research, um, as you know, uh, and Mark knows this because Mark and I teach together. Uh, a lot of my research has to do with social media mm-hmm. right now and, and how it's, in my opinion, a new platform as blogging is something of a new platform uh, from uh, from a standpoint of uh, it's not exactly journalism and it's not exactly advertisement. I think we're, we're kind of leading into something new. And so what I do for Fusebox is this. I take the bloggers, I organize them, uh, and uh, I try to put together a diverse group of rapscallions that each kind of have a expertise in one or two different things. Uh, it's almost like building a team in a weird way. Uh, and uh, some people who have been with us for a long time and some new people as well. And they send me the blogs and I don't just edit them, uh, which I do a very poor job of, by the way. <laughs> um, and then things like spell check and, you know, you're, you're trying to jam something out really fast and so there's missing word here or... You know, you, you use the wrong there, just some very human things. Uh, or maybe, you know, you switch from, you know, a passive voice to, you know, stuff like that. And I just try to do little snips and cuts and all these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and But more importantly, before I got on as the editor-in-chief for doing social media, all the bloggers had their own post codes. And that is they could post their blog whenever they felt like it. The problem is that we wouldn't have a blog for 48 hours. And then we'd have seven blogs in like... An right. hour. And the idea is to space this out a little more uh, and to do with a little more timing. And then we'll post things to Facebook and Twitter uh, with hashtags um, and uh, to try to keep as opposed to, uh, I call it like sort of like running a marathon as opposed to a sprint. Yeah. Try to keep a constant steady presence. Uh, that isn't too overwhelming. Uh, and then this year, uh, as we've begun to dive more and more into social media, um, I'm hoping... And by we, are you talking about the, the actual performers in the festival or the bloggers or who well, are you talking about? This is the, this is the interest of the, the festival itself. This is kind of where my job gets to be a little more interesting now is that it's gone from a blogging team, which is what I used to refer to it, to now a social media team. We've got a guy named Justin who's uh, on the team now, and we're slowly growing this on how we're trying to use social media to not only create conversations and awareness, 
but also communication uh, and trying to create this horizontal style conversation. We also work with um, a couple of other blogs. I'm working right now with uh, CultureBot, which who we've worked with many times. Uh, and CultureBot, which is a New York-based arts blog, primarily art and culture blog, uh, uh, we've been doing some embed and splicing blogs with them. And this year we also worked with the British Arts Council, which was actually shockingly stressful for me. Hmm. Um, and the, the major reason why um, and, uh, is that I had worked on this piece a couple of days ago uh, regarding for the Forest Fringe. Yeah. Uh, and the English uh, grammar and style is slightly different, yeah, sure. but it's different enough to be a little bit hair raising when you're trying to communicate on their, you know, uh, to, to their audience. So it, it's, it's almost the difference between like Italian food and Greek food. There's some similarities, mm. but at the same time, and you know, kind of in the same region, but not quite the same as it. So that was kind of fun. And, and this is a definitely a non sequitur, but uh, I don't know about you. Whenever I'm reading student essays, mm -hmm. if I see inverted commas or color spelled C-O-L-O-O-U-R, -O -O oh, yes. yes. that means you've plagiarized the fucking paper because yeah. no one in America does that. That's correct. That's, yeah. That is an immediate red flag. Ooh, let's run this through turnitin.com. Well, the thing that uh, – um, the thing luckily I just had to go back to my old um, – my old theater roots from 20 years ago because they spell theater T-H-E-T-R-E. -T -E. Yeah. yeah, and as opposed to E-R. So that's a small thing that I need to <laughs> just think about. So, I, I caught myself doing that more than once. Yeah. So it is kind of funny. But uh, One of the things I wanted to ask you about was mm -hmm. that kind of the role of the blogger for the Fusebox Festival. But this is something that I struggle with. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you talk about it is because you and I both have been doing blogging since – since Blogger was still owned by Blogger, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so just specifically for Fusebox, it's hard for me to wrap my, my head around the role of, of the, my role as a blogger mm -hmm. because on one hand, I want to advertise as many shows as possible and get as many people as I possibly can go to these shows that are upcoming. However, uh, my integrity refuses to allow me to lie about things that I did not enjoy. And so I have to, you know, try to be diplomatic about it and say, maybe it's not for me, maybe it's for you, you know, that type of thing. So the role of the blogger for Fusebox Festival is very stressful at times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, uh, I think the key word in what you just said were, that really popped out to me was advertising. We really aren't advertising. Right. And, and as far as the blogging is concerned, the blogging portion of the whole social media platform is to facilitate a conversation from the aspect of where our blogger is uh, is, is seeing things, basically. Um, and that is, uh, you can go ahead and be critical, just explain why. Sure. Um because most of our blogs are coming in after a show or an event hmm. is basically done with. And so it's to create kind of a conversation since then. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? The um, performance that we had with regarding Action Hero this year, uh, this morning I edited a comment, or edited, at least approved, I should say, uh, a comment on where um, the... Uh, uh, someone found it to be a very sexist piece. Mm. Uh, and so we, we want to continue that. We want to continue, well, why, why do you think this? What do you, how, how do you view these kinds of things? Yeah. A really good example too, is we also have a P 
piece uh, that was here uh, that had a lot to do with the Middle East. And uh, there was uh, someone who took great offense. I to, saw that. Yeah. About uh, the Palestinians and the yeah. Israelis. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I and saw that. And that's, again, something that we're just trying to do. Is trying For to the create. people who haven't seen that blog, which post is that on? Uh, that one's on uh, Kathy Catmule's post on um, – it's the – I can see the picture in my head right now, and I can't remember what it's called. Oh, no. Uh, it's part of the Forest Fringe. It's a uh, uh, no – no – it's, I'll go back in yeah, and put that there in. There you go. I Why usually you intro that? these yeah. things. I create bumpers for them. I'll create a bumper for there that one. Yeah. But in any there case, yeah, they, they, uh, I'm still waking up. My, yeah. the, the comment was something to do with not recognizing the state of Israel. Was that it? Yeah, um, and I actually found it to be an interesting comment because I thought I could potentially fire back by saying, however, these ladies are looking at it through their eyes. And uh, the, the way we view world history over on this side of the planet is a little bit different than the way – People view world history over on the other side of the planet, yeah. um, saying, "Hey, you came along and you, you know, your your nation is only sixty five years old." Right. Um, to to put this into context, um, I believe that Robert Redford is older than the state of Israel. <laughs> right. So now, no, we're we're not giving a. I'm not giving a, a mean comment about Israel. I'm just saying that yeah. some people are, of course, still you know an area of the world that's. Have a lot of history. Well, Maybe I, still adjusting to having Israel there is a polite way for me to say. It. Absolutely, I think the, the important thing for me, and this is something that, luckily enough, we can fall back on our our, our teachery heels, um, mm. is that in the classroom you have a hard time, or at least I have a hard time, trying to get students to explain or justify whatever comment they've made. So, And that's a really broad way to say, back up your claim. Um, and I think in the blog world, you have that same problem because a lot of times people will go to a blog, they'll find something they disagree with, and they say, uh, I don't agree with this. Fuck it. We're enemies. And then they leave, and they never come back. But that's not the purpose, or at least that in my head, that's not the purpose of the Fusebox blog. It's to create conversations mm-hmm. about the pieces. And so trying to encourage those comments to, well, let's – Let's explore that a little bit more. What do you mean by that? Yeah. And and really tease that out. Provide some justification for what you have said, and let's start an actual conversation. Fusebox is all about, like, you know, what's happening now, too. Uh, we aren't um, – uh, what, what do we mean by now is some very contemporary, you know, uh, art and, and contemporary stuff regarding technology and food and mm. all these kinds of things. What's happening now? And so – uh, having that, uh, continuing that conversation, sometimes is a little sloppy. Sure. Sometimes we see some stuff that's, for lack of a better term, work in progress. We have a, a division called the Machine Shop, uh, and I saw some pretty rough pieces this year. So, so, so I saw some great ones too, but I saw some ones that I thought were really rough. Um, well, I would think and that just the being... comment section is is there to help. Well, where are we going with this? Sure. Uh, I was I was a little bit surprised. I, I was just talking with someone about this. A show that I really liked was called The Future Show, mm. and it was just um, uh, it was just a woman uh, who's at a. I've heard several people table. talk about this. Yeah. And it's very meta, and that is, is that it's very aware of itself. It's mm. very aware it's in the theater. It's talking about its uh, talking about itself as things are happening, uh, and. Um, I actually loved it because as far as theater and that's, and I consistently come back to theater with Fusebox because that's how it started. Yeah. 
uh, that's its uh, its bones, for lack of a better term. Um, the thing that I constantly come back to with that one is, where is theater in this world today? Because um, mm. especially in the United States, yeah, it's not a tradition like it is in Europe. No, in comparison, uh, it's and where is it in a uh, world where we do have uh, the internet, where we do have, well, th- this is something that, um, and how does it function? Something that I wrote recently was that if I am going to leave my home and uh, we are here with my dog here today, you and I, my, yes. uh, in, in uh, d- doing this podcast, if I'm going to leave my dog and if I'm going to leave my home, uh, there, I think there needs to be something very specific, very interesting about that performance. And maybe what I mean interesting also is that an experience that I cannot have uh, at home with the Internet or with my TV or something along those lines. And I, one thing that I was coming back with the future show was uh, I thought that... Uh, it's very aware of itself and this idea that we're going into a space to see somebody pretend to be something they are not, but we know they are pretending to be something they are not. And what does that say about us and how does it reflect back upon us? Right. And that's what I found to be really interesting. Other people didn't like it as much. Yeah. Um, I did because it was just very aware of itself. If I'm maybe looking for something that's not as aware of itself, maybe I'll turn on, uh, you know, uh, half the sitcoms out there or half of the, um, you know, the dramas, half the fiction out there. I think that this new level of nonfiction or meta theater, I think, is something that at least for me fascinates me, and I'm I'm interested in talking about it. Well, and I think, too, a minute ago, you called this a contemporary arts festival, and I think in some ways, too, and and obviously my background is not in theater, but Mm. I I do think a lot of it is experimental theater, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of danger, I would think, that would come with that. So you create these shows... And some of them are going to be really, really awesome, and then other ones will just be utter shite. Yeah. But you can't help that um, because of the nature of the beast, I would think, at least from a, a creator standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that uh, <clears throat> that's really hard for me, and this is uh, going back to the blogging, is um, you said we were not advertisers, and I totally agree. One of the things that, at least in my training as an academic, was that I'm a new criticist. I know that I'm a new criticist. Mm-hmm. I think works should stand all by themselves. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know what new criticism is, it basically tells us that from an artistic perspective, a piece of art needs to be complete in and of itself. You shouldn't have to have any secondary materials to understand it or to experience it fully. And so sometimes I feel like – so for instance with the Miriam piece – I wrote up the blog piece that, that, I, mm. that I wrote, and I took from that piece that the name and the water imagery and all that type of stuff came from Moses' sister Miriam mm. because there were so much of that in the, the piece. Mm-hmm. Now, I wrote up my blog post. I posted it, and Adam chastised me in the comments because apparently in the press – the, I, oh, I'm, I'm doing a disservice to the artist, but in, in any case, the artist that created it said that it was not, or she didn't say that it was not, but it was about uh, a Miriam from South Africa who was a civil rights leader. Uh-huh. And Adam said, "If you would know that, if you had read the press, obviously I would have, 
but I intentionally stayed away from the press because mm-hmm. I uh, I don't like to inform my comments that way. But that is a really hard line to ro- to, to hard hard road to hoe with some of these pieces of art because some of them yeah. I don't know that they stand on their own. I, the the one thing is that I, I will take a moment to defend Adam uh, is that. Uh, uh, maybe not chastise. He was being, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I just know Adam really well. Uh, so. I didn't take it yeah, as a yeah. negative. I yeah. took it as, well, God damn, I guess I should have read that. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, no, I, no, no. I, I didn't take it as as, yeah. as unfair. I thought it was fair yeah. criticism. It's oh, yeah. just... And, and I think it's uh, because Adam Sultan also has a, a different perspective on the way he's handling the blog than you are. No, I understand. And that's good, no, by the way. Please don't yeah. misunderstand oh, me. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, attacking yeah. Adam. I like Adam a lot, and I thought it was a, a fair comment. I don't. I think he's weird. Really? No, okay, no well, actually, I love him. I love him but, <laughs> but he's um, an attractive man. Oh, he's got great hair. <laughs> but no, I thought Maybe it was a fair comment. <laughs> someday I'm going to write a play where he's the center of it. Anyway, Stand in line, yeah, my friend. This, I was going to say, this, this podcast has all of a sudden uh, uh, cannot stand by itself. It can't. No, because you have to, you have to know Adam. Yeah, you've yeah. got to know, you know Adam, and you had to see his show, Adam Sultan. That's right. Which was written by Steve Moore and Zeb Wells. <laughs> no, um, I, I actually, though, I, I agree with you on the new criticism. A really good example of this, and trying to make this a more universal podcast quickly, uh, is that my mom loved the movie The Avengers, and she has never read an Avengers comic book. That is a m- movie, in my opinion, that and it was a you know a smashing of yeah. all these other movies. You didn't really have to see any of the Iron Man films or the Hulk movie, no, or Thor to no. really be in it and but understand and enjoy. Yeah, you, you should, you should have. but to, to be in it to understand what's going on and to to you know yeah you know understand this. Um, so that I, I think that that is definitely a fair idea. I think with with Adam though, uh, because he he's also been following. You know, he does his research. Sure. Um, you know, there, some some pieces also become more specific as well. Yeah. So I just thought it was a, it, it was an interesting situation that that uh, I, I found myself in, and yeah. I've thought about it probably way more than I should have, especially now that I've been writing up additional pieces. Like, mm-hmm. well crap, should I change my writing style, how I investigate pieces? Because maybe I should. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just hard for me to, to wrap my head around. And I guess, and again, I wanted to talk to you about two things, the Fusebox Festival, obviously, but then blogging in general. Earlier, you said that you thought blogging was going through kind of a, a change or maybe not found its place. Um, when we started, or at least when I started, it was all vanity blogging. That's all that it was. Um, or at least I felt like a lot of people created blogs because, hey, here I am. Um, and then Twitter came along and Facebook came along, and it was way easier to use those to mm-hmm. advertise yourself. Yeah. The the thing about blogging is that – and why blogging and social media go hand in hand right now is that when, when you're bringing up advertising for like the festivals and stuff like that – that's where I begin to scratch my head as, as exactly to what uh, social media is used for. Is it to design a conversation? Is it to advertise? The blog, of course, as I said, is designed to facilitate the conversation or continue the conversation. With blogging now, just as a whole, outside of this festival, sure. what I'm beginning to look at uh, is that... It did start off as something of sort of a vanity project for a lot of people. 
However, more and more as we're beginning to see newspapers disappear or newspapers are now conglomerated and they are owned by about five dudes. The Koch brothers are, are looking to buy the Chicago Tribune yeah, I saw that. Uh, from uh, Fox mm-hmm. or uh, News Corp, I mean. Um, and more and more, we, we use this term horizontalism, which can lead to many good things, but there's no accountability on a blog. Um, you can go from op-ed to full-blown journalism quite easily on a blog. Um, the the good news is, is that it's sort of like the Wild West. It's kind of messy and weird and all these kinds of things. Uh, the bad news is there's just no law out there, and there's no really strong direction. And I think you need to find out which blogs work for you, which can also be dangerous, but which blogs seem to function and seem to work really well. Um, I received criticism because I also write for the Huffington Post, and I wrote a piece about uh, introducing the Fusebox Festival for the Huffington Post. And uh, someone fired back and said, well, does Huffington Post know that you work for Fusebox? And I was a little bit surprised. I'm like, it's the Huffington Post. They'll post, they'll dump anything on there. I can sit there. I mean, for God's sakes, um, a year ago, well, what was what was kind of funny was about a year and a half ago, um, and we're going to see uh, how much attention this podcast can possibly get on what I'm about to say. Uh, there's a guy named Yasher Ali who wrote a piece called uh, Ladies, You're Not Crazy Like Men Are Gaslighting You. And right. it really made the rounds in social media, and all these women just loved it. And if you just read it, you, you really don't need to be an academic to read it. And no, this guy's not only full of garbage, he has absolutely no evidence. <laughs> he, he, all of his examples start off with, I have a friend. He also has, yeah, like, I know I a guy. A, yeah, I know a guy. This Some is, people say this is freshman writing stuff like that, as and some then, have said. Yeah, and then and then, and then he takes this incredibly uh, specific and rare version of a, a psycho, a, a psychological disorder called gaslighting, and he applies it to men as a whole. And then at the very end, he says, but ladies, you can, you can read more in my new book, which you can get it, you know, and I'm like, oh, what a douchebag. I can't believe people are actually falling for this guy. And it was on Huffington Post, so it looked very official. The sure. fact is, is that I can be blunt. I can, I can dump, as long as you don't threaten anybody on Huffington Post, they'll literally post anything. Because they're not paying you. The right. contents, they just want constant content. Right. Um, so that's, My favorite part hmm. about HuffPost where they had that huge feminist section. And then in the entertainment section, half of the posts are, yeah. look how shitty Maria Shiver looks without makeup. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's just unbelievable sometimes. And the, the thing is, is that with – so it is like the Wild West. Now, with that said, is this, are there some really good and interesting things on HuffPo? Actually, yeah. Feinstein's columns are really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm always impressed by what he has to say. Uh, and it is actually a place where uh, Patton Oswald occasionally goes to dump something on there. And when Patton's on top of it, usually not just from a comedy standpoint, but from, from like a social criticism standpoint, sure. he can be really on top of it. I think uh, the Pulitzer Prizes were announced, was it last week or two weeks ago now? Two, two weeks. weeks ago now, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the same day as the um, the Boston bombing, right. I remember. It was terrible. Um, but, um, I thought that the Pulitzer Prize really 
blew it as far as journalism is concerned this year. And being a graduate of Columbia University, and I take a great deal of pride that my alma mater gives out the Pulitzer Prize. I looked at it. It is so old and so stodgy and has no idea what's going on. And I was stunned to see, not stunned, but just disappointed to see that they did not recognize that maybe some of the best journalism, flat out journalism, was done on a blog by a a group called Deadspin, Mm -hmm. which is the sports wing of Gawker. Right. And they were the ones who not only broke the Manai Teo story in which he not only his girlfriend was a fake and she didn't die because she didn't exist. Right. Um, they not only broke the story, they did some of the most best, uh, some of the best investigative journalism out there that Sports Illustrated didn't get, that the New York Times didn't get. They did all this stuff, and they did it in a very compact period of time, and yeah. they ran with it. Another really good example of this, too, is Mother Jones, which is, sure. I know that they're technically a magazine, but they're primarily a blog now. Right. And they are the ones that, that really took the information of... Mitt Romney uh, and the 47. Romney, yep, that's right. And so... They vetted it and everything. I, I, I want to back up to the Gawker oh, example. Yeah. So Deadspin is a great ex- – or I guess Gawker Network is a great example of how multifaceted this whole thing is because on one hand you have Deadspin who was responsible for this incredible piece of journalism. They're owned by the Gawker Network. Gawker Network also owns Engadget, Lifehacker, yep. Kawataku. Uh, well, Jezebel. Is, and Jezebel. I mean uh, – Engadget has, has published some of the most unethical, poorly researched pieces of shit journalism that I've ever seen. And yeah. so on one hand, you have Deadspin, who does this really great thing that's owned by the same company, and then you have Engadget, who just basically runs through the gutter to get stories. Um, so it's, it's... I think that, well, the, the thing is is that with, with this horizontalism, is, it's, just, it's the hot word we're using as far as just the world as a whole is concerned. With this horizontalism that we're looking at is that the good news is is that you can go and you can get the opinion that you want to see confirmation bias the confirmation bias the bad news is is that you can fall into these very uh, segregated holes or right. these, these very cliquish holes and not get a broader perspective um, another really good example of this is that right now if you jump onto your Facebook uh, and type in uh, uh, I did not you will immediately get the uh, page for I did not uh, vote for Obama. Uh, I attacked this page. I was very blunt about it, and actually, had a couple of people come back at me, and I, I took, I take full responsibility for what I said. But if you look at everything that is on, uh, I did not vote for Obama on their Facebook page, which has like a million plus people. Yeah, they liked it now. If you look at every single article they have is from a website called the ReaganCoalition.com. Right. They've also added another one called FiscalConservative.com. If you go there, you can look for a masthead. You can look for an edit, like who works there, all this kind of stuff. It's And at the, if you look very carefully, you will find at the very bottom of the ReaganCoalition.com, which, of course, sounds very official. Sure. It says, I'm just a guy with a blog. Right. Uh, like, And he heavily manipulates stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, completely and totally takes stuff out of context to the point of where uh, it's it's just very bad. I mean, it's... it's it, 
it's close to lying. Right. I mean, just full-blown lying. Another example of this, too, is actually on Fox News, their website, they have a little button called Fox Nation. Right. If you click on a Fox Nation. It's, it's a separate entity, though. No, it's not. Well, I mean, it's owned by Fox, but it's a, they have a different journalistic uh, – journalistic. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they – <laughs> Journalistic in air quotes. Um, yeah. I mean, they, well, they, they, they take a um, – what they do with Fox Nation, um, uh, they do uh, – it, it, it was founded essentially – I think it was a year after Obama was elected. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is essentially designed for the Tea Party. And what it is is designed to enrage, designed, designed to um, you know, stoke flames of people who hate either Obama or whatever. And all of them are devoted to essentially you know, why – He's the worst president ever and all these kinds of things. Um, and uh, they they do, of course, a lot of rhetorical techniques that are based around, um, is Obama a secret Muslim? Question mark. If you put a question mark at the end of it. Yeah. You know, you John Stewart had do, a bit about that about yeah. Neil, Cavuto, Neil Cavuto several years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And if you put a, a question mark in, and it's, it's essentially. I'm just asking the question. Yeah, exactly. I'm just asking the question. And it's, but the thing is, so if. If you want to believe that Obama is a secret Muslim, then hey, here's here's your page. Right. Of course, the problem is you're not getting anything that even remotely resembles. You know, you're only getting, you know, one one side of something. On the flip side, if there are plenty of liberal blogs out there they as well, the same, yeah. they do the exact same thing. And and so, as far as blogging is concerned, we find, um, I think we find that we have. Uh, in this horizontal world that we're dealing with right now, we're having a lot of issues as far as you can have your ideas reinforced, but we aren't getting enough, sure. at, least, at least in my opinion, uh, uh, conversation going on. Now, I just spent, what, 15 minutes explaining to you, now bring it all the way back to full circle, <laughs> what we're trying to do with the Fusebox blog is try to create the conversation. This is how I saw it, and... You know, f- by all means, feel free to comment. I actually put that into one of my blogs. We were talking about Adam uh, uh, Adam Sultan earlier. I put up some rhetorical questions about Adam Sultan, what I saw, what right. I was thinking of, and I actually asked people to comment on it. And I know a lot of people read it, but nobody commented. Yeah, I'd like to have a little more conversation on this, like. How do we see ourselves in the theater and all these kinds of things? And so again, that's, that, yeah, that's what it's all about. That pushes me back onto my teacher laurels yet again because that's one of those things where um, as the administrator of a blog, you normally have site, site statistics. And so you can see the page views. You can see the URLs. You can see mm-hmm. when people are coming in. You can see when people are reading. Yeah. So a lot of time on my personal blog, hyperliterature.com, on, on my blog, I can what go that again? hyperliterature.com, okay, www. Okay. Hyperliterature.com. Um, I can go in and I can see where the URLs are coming from. So I know I have a lot of viewers. Not a lot of people comment. It yeah. reminds me of standing at the front of a classroom and saying, uh, can you guys give me an opinion on this? No one says anything. And then mm-hmm. you read their journals and everyone has said really interesting, cool things in their journals, yet no one has taken the time to speak in class. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like pulling teeth. Um, but I do want to go back to you. you yeah. Know, just a minute ago, we were talking about uh, the truth and all that type of. Uh, um, there was an interview that I, that I listened to with Gabe Newell. He's the uh, the founder of Valve, and he created this Steam Network video game mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, he used to work for Microsoft, and now they they own Valve, and they're an extraordinarily successful video game company. But one of the things that he was talking about was advertising, and one of the things that they do to advertise video games is they release out these viral 
things. Yeah. And so one of them was basically you have to decode binary to find out when this video game is coming out. And the interviewer asked him, were, were you worried that the internet wouldn't figure it out? And his response to this was really interesting. He said, no, not at all, because here's the thing. Individually, internet users are really stupid. Mm-hmm. Internet users are really dumb. Uh, but in the aggregate, the internet is scary f- intelligent. He said, so mm-hmm. it took us weeks and weeks and weeks to come up with this advertising campaign, to come up with the binary code for this. And it took the internet 14 minutes to decode it. Now, the reason for that is because there are some people who are in the aggregate better at some things than others. And so yeah. the internet acts like a hive mind. So it solves problems scary, scary fast. Oh. And, I, and, I, and I guess going back to what you were saying, that means I guess for us as bloggers that right now it could be bad, but hopefully it, the optimist in me thinks that in the end the truths will begin to emerge. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, as far as, like, truths are concerned, uh, we use that with a very small T. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's still going to be subjective. I'm definitely not Socratic in yeah, that. Yeah, that. It's definitely going to be subjective, and it's going to definitely be <clears throat> experiential and stuff like that. And to, to go back to you know, the, my, my analogy with, or, or my example with Fox Nation, um, uh, they, uh, although they criticize Obama heavily, sometimes he's earned it. <laughs> you sure. know, I mean, this drone stuff. I mean, come on. And how much is really, you know, coming out on you know other blogs about those kinds of things? Um, I think when you're talking about the hive mind, I look at what Anonymous is doing right now, and I'm very intrigued mm. on the way that they are able to organize and get information out there. How accurate it is is usually. Uh, well, it takes a little bit of time for that to work out, but but the interesting thing about that mm-hmm. is if you're on 4chan or you're you're on any of the IRCs, yeah. whenever any of that stuff goes down, yeah, they don't give a fuck how truthful it is. Yeah, they just feel like this information needs to be out there. Yeah, so that's their that's their guiding mantra is just make it make it open, make it free. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting in and of itself. As academics, I'm not comfortable with that a lot of the times. Like Neither you don't publish shit if it's not true. That's not their credo, though. Well, a real a real concern that I have because because of my journalism background is that I hang out with a lot of journalists, uh, especially at South by Southwest. I see the same guys from Wired magazine every year now, and I love it. By the way, I, we always get, you know, we always spend at least thirty minutes sitting down having a beverage and just catching up. Um, but when the Boston bombing last week now, or two weeks ago now, um, the explosion of information on the, oh, I should have picked a better word than explosion. I apologize. But, uh, the, uh, deluge, how about that? There of, we go. Uh, of information that was just swamping Facebook and Twitter. And I was following a lot of anonymous feeds. Of course, a lot of information that came out, of course, we're looking for a dark skinned person, mm. Um, a lot of the information of the police have shut down cell phone services. I was uh, jumping online myself, taking a lot of that information and trying to communicate with not just my journalism buddies, but I, uh, some of the um, uh, some field journalists are kind of crazy. You got to be just a little bit. Sure. Uh, and I'm like, you know, my, my, my thought process was just to let you know, you know, they've they've turned off the cell phone services or whatever. Uh, so you got to switch to a you know a certain kind of network or this or that, and of course none of it was true. Yeah, you know. So the, I think the, the the problem with the the information age is that uh, well this was something that also I was doing with um, Fusebox last night was that we had a uh, a party at ten o'clock. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, I was tracking a storm. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> uh, we were concerned about getting a lot of people out to this party because it's going to be the second to last night of the festival. Uh, and it's a band called Foot Patrol that was going to play mm-hmm. that uh, can really excite people. But the storm really started to come down. So I'm, I want to tweet out and I want to put on Facebook the most accurate like weather information I possibly can. Right. But I, I wasn't quite certain. So I was like, all right, it's going to rain. Bring a towel. That's <laughs> what I said. I was like, I, I was I, initially, I was going to throw up stuff like but percentages, like 40% chance of rain. And then we hear, and then by about 10 o'clock, it should, you know, I'm trying to be like a weatherman. I'm like, ah, screw it. Go out, bring a towel. And suddenly Go you to turn, the Facebook page. You can see it. Suddenly you just turn into Ford prefix. Don't panic. Yeah. Bring a towel. That's exactly what it was. Get your, get your ass out there and shake it to foot patrol. <laughs> so, well, uh, we're uh, getting close to, to about the 45 minute mark. We got a little bit of time yeah. here. So, um, tell me about some of your favorite shows you had for this festival. I know that you and you and I were both just run ragged, but, uh, kind of want to hear your thoughts on some of the shows because I missed the first portion of this thing. The best show surprisingly, and, and I'm still trying to figure out this festival. This festival was very different from the last two. Uh, and, uh, but this festival, my favorite show is one called, um, guest by courtesy. Mm. It initially started at salvage Vanguard, uh, theater, uh, and in full disclosure, I'm on the board of salvage Vanguard theater. Oh, you incestuous I had not seen <laughs> this. Yeah. I had not seen this piece. And in fairness, I was walking into this show because, uh, one of the actors in it is the uh, artistic director of Salvage Vanguard, and I was really only going to see it because, you know, he got to support. And I had the time of my life. It's about an hour and 15. It's a touring. It's a show that could easily be toured. Graham Reynolds is at a piano and at a gigantic drum. There's almost no set. There's only really a um, uh, there's a sofa. But uh, uh, as two women go through uh, multiple, a multitude of discussions. Yeah. Uh, they uh, use imaginary things like tea kettles and, and teapots and all these kinds of things. Uh, and it's very stylized, but very human. The pieces I like the most with these experimental pieces. Yeah. At the core of it, there is a very human story mm. and all the stylization is, for lack of a better term, window dressing. They just make it awesome. Right. Uh, now, I'm, um, window dressing may not be the best word or term for it. Uh, it can definitely make a piece really fun. But I was talking about the Avengers earlier. Mm. And, you know, something my mom really liked about it, you know, Iron Man is a fascinating character because he has, he's so human. Yeah. It's not the fact that he has all these gadgets. Now, do the gadgets make it cool? Hell you yeah. better believe it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that's, you know, that's something to think about. Uh, guest by courtesy is, uh, at the core of it is a very human story. Uh, other ones that I like to, I thought that, um, I know there's a little bit of debate about action heroes piece. Uh, God, I was hoping you would talk about it. I loved it so much. It's, um, th- this is where I go at, cause I'm getting old. Uh, but Action Hero is one of the hottest theater companies in the entire world right now, and that's not hyperbole. They really and truly are. Um, and we had them out here about three years ago. I believe it was 2010. And that the core of their piece 
uh, in my opinion, is a very human story mm. uh, of, uh, this, uh, the, of, of of a daredevil, but also the relation the relationship between the man and the woman. I think is very subtle. Yeah, and you really got to be paying attention to it. Um, in in my opinion, and there's a lot of really interesting things with what was going on with the action heroes piece. Um, they, uh, it really reminded me of just the kind of stuff that I used to see in the East village in New York. Uh, when I was younger, basically it, it had a lot of guts behind it. They really went for it. They made no apologies. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's really about their relationship in my opinion, uh, or lack thereof. Right. Um, I also felt like too it was such a commentary on how how as audience members we treat that type of thing how we yes, treat yes. how we treat reality stars yeah. and I use the term star in, in air quotes again yeah. I, I was immediately and, and, I'm, and maybe it's just because I'm an idiot but I was immediately reminded of Ryan Dunn mm-hmm. um, how we all cheered when he acted a fool in Jackass. How we all cheered when he would injure himself or laugh with him as he put a car up his ass and went to the doctors. Yeah. And then how we were shocked when he when he got killed in a car wreck. Not just killed. Just destroyed. Uh, he he. If if I am correct, and um, didn't Ryan Dunn go off the road over a hundred miles an hour in in a Porsche that he had bought with jackass money? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's. Um, yeah, yeah I, 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 again, with just bringing back to action hero, I thought oh. they explored a lot of those things. Yes. I like the fact that they got the audience out of the chair. The thing is that when you break that fourth wall or at least minimize that fourth wall mm. um, is that you became much closer to them. You became part of that, you know, that, that action for life. Well, that's what I wrote in my blog post too, because in some way by, by forcing us to become part of the production, mm-hmm. um, we were implicated in his injury at the end. We were, we were implicated in his destruction. Why didn't we stop him? Mm-hmm. We saw it leading up to that. I think that that's also what action hero brings up is something that I've been thinking heavily about too, is that as I was bringing up earlier and trying to have this potentially come full circle, is that what makes theater different than the internet and the te- and television? Mm. If I'm sitting in a theater and there's a very very distinct fourth wall, I can really pull that off by watching you know something on Absolutely. HBO. I, I I personally like the invasion of my space, mm. the the or, or me somehow being maybe not part of the show but close to it. Yeah, and I think Action Hero did that really well. Another really good one, uh, which is also tonight, I believe. Uh, was Sex Idiot. Now, that's probably the one that's, that's getting the most... Maybe people not talking about it as much, or at least on, on the internet, but every time I talk to just, just one-on-one with people, that piece is the one that's getting a lot of noise as well. Mm. And the thing about that piece um, was... Uh, it is, uh, it's about a woman who essentially kind of hunts down her ex-boyfriends when she gets an STD. And when I right. say hunt, that's not quite the right word. But it's really, and it's very stylized, and there's a lot of sex, and again, window dressing. But what really comes down to it is that it's about, it's a very human story. It's about uh, forgiveness. It's about her coming to terms with certain things. Uh, I really liked it a lot. That was a really, really touching story. Um, and still very body. And I don't want to ruin it because we've got one more show left. And I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like, 
uh, an amazing piece. Um, I'll post this on Tuesday, yeah, so you don't have to worry about oh, running. Okay. Right. Um, um, I but, had I mean, talked to some other people who had seen it, and everyone has has really enjoyed that show. Mm-hmm. And again, there's no um, there's no apology to it. There's no um, in the sense of uh, you're going to leave your home. I'm going to leave my dog. And we're going to have a solid hour of not just a, a really interesting story, but she really goes for it. She, right. At one point in time, she gives scissors to audience members and asks them to remove hair for her next for her next song that she's going to do. Oh no! Yeah, and uh, and she, oh, I had yeah. heard someone talk about this portion. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. and it's it's just it is not hair on her head. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> And it was, uh, but but I, I I really like the guts behind it. I think that's, you know, uh, I think that this is also the, the pieces that I've been bringing up so far. Um, the guest by courtesy piece uh, is grown here in Austin, and the other two pieces are from England. Mm. And I think often, a lot of times, American artists use theater or view theater as um, sort of like a minor league or a springboard to getting that yeah. that movie role or something like that. In England, it's not that way, or at least not as much. And in Austin, it's not that way, and it's not as much, right? in my opinion. And I think that's actually a, a testament to the strength of the three pieces that I just brought up. Sure. Is that those pieces were designed for the theater. It's designed for you to leave your dog, leave your home, and say, come and ex- here. And have an experience. And experience yeah. this. And it was an experience that you're, there's just, you're just don't under, you're not going to get watching it on Amazon sure. Prime. And, and to, to add to that, as far as experience is concerned, oh my God, man! Lord Winsydale's last high tea was oh. such a riot, Tim. It was a phenomenal time. The, oh. It was, uh, yeah. I, I really missed out. <laughs> oh I really missed out. I heard, and I've seen so many pictures on the internet. And the thing about the pictures is that they look interesting, <laughs> but I know fully well that the interesting look yeah. is. Is simply not, you know, compared to you know how awesome it probably was. And it, uh, I wrote about this in my blog post. So, so Lord Winsdale's last high tea took place uh, at the. I'm going to mispronounce it, so you have to help me. Umlauf Garden Theater. Yep. Okay. So Umlauf Garden Theater, and the uh, the performance was of a Lord's last high tea. So he'd been holding these high teas for 50 years, and this is the last one. And why it's the last one is revealed throughout the performance. Um, but the interesting thing was, is there were improvisational actors at every table. And um, Jody, oh my goodness, from Foreign and Domestic. I can't yeah. remember her last name, but in any case, Jody from Foreign and Domestic created all of the uh, all of the courses. Oh, such phenomenal food and really mm-hmm. great tea. But the performances, yeah, Foreign and Domestic. But the oh, yep. Dusty is unhappy. Um, but the performances were just phenomenal. Such a good time. Um, so yeah, you missed out on that one. And the, the digestible feats for me just, oh my God, just being able to meld food and drink just makes the experience so much better. Yeah. I think that that's one thing that I think fused by, I mean, you can compare, there's festivals all over the place. Uh, but I think the one thing that really makes Fusebox unlike any other festival is a digestible feat stuff. I think, I don't know, I don't know of any festival that does 
what uh, what digestible feats is doing. I mean, it's 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 a really really fun, unique thing that the, they're pulling off. So, yeah, and, totally distracted by my dog barking right now. I know it's okay. trying to talk about food. Dusty, come here. All right, fine. I think if I had one criticism of the digestible feats, and this is something that Hank and I discussed a little bit in the last podcast, um, and it's occurred to me at Lord Wensydale's, I would love to see a digestible feats piece that can be as emotional as something like Watch Me Fall. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've seen that yet. As far as revealing kind of that human experience that, that Watch Me Fall did. Yeah. For the most part, digestible feats up to this point have been really fun, and I think that. But I, I want to. The the masochist in me wants to see something that makes me sad. Or, I agree. Or yeah. emotional. Um, the uh, I think, and and Hank can definitely talk. I think at a, at a better length at it. Yeah. The, than than I could. Uh, my personal favorite uh, digestible feats were just. It was it was more like a. Uh, an evening of curiosity. How can we take this? Uh, for for instance, we had one at Fino a couple of years ago where it was Graham Reynolds did. He built three songs based around a three course meal. Yes. And so he'd play them and then we'd eat and then play them and then we'd eat. Uh, and then, but my one of my all time favorites, one of my top five favorites, maybe just nights as a whole, was uh, it was three years ago. We went out to Springdale Farm and. Uh, Butcher Bear, who is a uh, Huey, sorry, uh, Butcher Bear, who is a local uh, producer and musician and DJ who dresses up in a gigantic kind of scary bear outfit. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, we had like Sonia cooked us a suckling pig and uh, uh, a whole bunch of just really tasty things from all over the farm. And what Butcher Bear did is he walked around and he recorded us eating and then created this kind of soundscape. Right, as kind of uh, just around us at the farm, uh, and that was there. There was really no like story behind it. We were just having a really good time. I'm curious to see where Hank is going to go with digestible feats. I think the closest that I saw, and to, Hank and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. The closest I saw to to what I was just talking about was the sweet portrayal from last last year's, where it was kind of the combination between the food and you know that type of thing where 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 it started to move from being hey this is this is a lot of fun this is a fun experience more into this is a human emotion type thing that was the closest one i've seen so far um i would like to see something like lord winsydale's last high tea that you know it's that elaborate of a performance with food and drink where mm-hmm. it, where it can really do that and i don't know that we've seen that yet It'll be interesting to see what he does next year. I know. I know. You know We're going to have to. What's his game plan? I'm going to so. get his ear. Yeah. Hmm. All right, man. We're at uh, the 50 minute mark. Anything you want to say before we wrap this up? No. Just, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, festival is almost done. We're already working on 2014 and 2015. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, check out the Fusebox blog. Absolutely. Trusty, tasty, lovely new website. Yes, it's fantastic. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's erotic almost. Oh, my God. Fuseboxfestival.com. Uh, yep. Go to the blog section and look up Mark Gifford. And then after you've done that, look at the other bloggers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, this like, is my podcast, mm-hmm. man. I can control it. Yes. <laughs> And like like our Facebook page. Like the Facebook page. And uh, follow us on Twitter. Yep. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right.